This, this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. Oh, and welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Yawa Radio. So you're listening to Yawa Radio. It's uh, Steve with uh, Glass Half Full, you know, where I talk to uh, inspirational people from around the world. And, uh, well, what about this then? What about this? I'm joined on the line right now uh, by uh, by Sally Arnold. Now, Sally, okay, what? I was just reading, said, how did a farmer's daughter from rural Wiltshire end up meeting and working with some of the most famous people of our time? Right. What a lead in. Where do we start with that? Tell us your story. How did it all happen? <laughs> well, hello, Steve. <laughs> um, well, I was brought, born in 1949 and really in the 60s, our only careers advice was get married or be a nurse or be a secretary. And I wanted to travel. And really, there weren't many opportunities, but I met um, an uncle's girlfriend who was a Norland nanny and she was traveling all around the world and I'd always been really good with kids so I thought right I can do that as a career so I did I qualified as a Norland nurse actually mm-hmm. we're nurses uh, Prince William has one at the moment a Norland nurse oh. and so I start I got my diploma and I started working with different families and one of the families I worked with was Mick Jagger and his wife, Bianca. I met them in Paris. No, no, I met them in the south of France first. Um, No, I'm getting muddled. I met them in Paris. I happened to be in Paris with a boyfriend who I'd met in the south of France. Okay. Then moved to Paris with him. And he was quite a well-known film producer. So we were going to all these parties with people like Roman Polanski and Jean-Luc Godard. And one day there were Mick and Bianca Jagger. Now I'd never been a Stones fan. And, uh, but anyway, they came up to me and said, oh, somebody's told us you're a Norland nanny. Would you come and work for us? Because Bianca was about seven months pregnant at this time. And I just said, no, 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 not interested. (laughs) The boyfriend was more important, but they kept on inviting me out for tea and lunch and things. And one day I met them at their hotel and, um, Mick had produced this letter. He'd written to my college asking for a Norland nurse because he'd had one when he lived with Marianne Faithful mm-hmm. for her son. Okay. And my college had written back saying, we'd like to recommend a nurse called Sally Arnold and we're trying to find her. And he said, look, it's fate. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Isn't that astonishing? Yeah. Anyway, this, this was all over a few weeks. And uh, after a while, I got fed up with the boyfriend, so I took the job. Okay. And raced back to England to go and get my uniform and uh, raced back to Paris when the baby was born, which which I heard on the radio first, on Radio Luxembourg. Oh, now you're going back. Middle of the night, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and um, I 
took the baby over, they were in the hospital and I brought the baby out of the hospital when she was two days old. And I've actually got the photographs from the newspapers then, Mick Jagger's first daughter, in the arms of the nanny. Wow. So then we went to live in a hotel in, in Paris. Then we moved into a famous film star's apartment. And this was where I met um, Omar Sharif. And I suddenly realised that men liked women in uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> I was so young and naive, I had no idea. Anyway, then we moved down to the south of France, um, where the Stones were recording Exile on Main Street. And they rented a huge chateau there. So I was getting the travelling, which was mm. great, and all first class too. And then we moved to Los Angeles, where we stayed in the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. And I have to say, you're too young to remember, but there were no disposable nappies then. It was all terry toweling nappies. So the hotel rooms were strewn with nappies drying. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very hard work, I have to yeah. say. I mean, even in the big chateau, it was hard work because my the nursery was on the top floor and the bar, the kitchen was way down, four floors down in the basement. Anyway, then we moved into a house in Bel Air, which had been built by William Randolph Hearst, yeah, who was yeah. the newspaper tycoon, newspaper magnate, yes. yeah, whose Citizen Kane was made mm. about the film. And what a bonkers house. I mean, you've got to read the book to find out about yes. this house. Well, come on, we'll come to the mad. book shortly, yes. Sally, yes. Okay, so then um, then the baby was getting too fond of me. Norland had always taught us leave when that happens. So I left, came back to England, started doing PR for classical musicians, which is my real passion, but I wasn't earning anything, hardly anything. I could hardly survive. And uh, Mick Jagger's assistant contacted me and said, will you come and work in our office? And I said, but why me? I'm a nanny. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, because all the guys like you and all the wives trust you. Right. Which okay. I thought was a jolly good thing, actually. That's yeah. really good. So I ended up in the touring office. It was called 5-1 Productions of the Stones, The Who, Golden Earring, wow. and a few other smaller bands like Marsha Hunt and The Herd. And my first job was on the road with The Who, with Keith Moon. Great. Man, Keith Moon. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, really, quite honestly, you're going to have to read my book to find out because mm. I could go on forever. Mm. Um, but I have to say that looking after these guys was like nannying overgrown kids. It really, really was. <laughs> yes. Because all I was doing was really bossing them around. And bizarrely, they would obey me. And I kind of think in a psychological way that men sometimes prefer to obey a woman than another man. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, you know, the sort of macho thing gets in the way. But if it's a woman who they know is looking after them, they think of her as a sort of mother, sister, nanny. And that's what I became to them. Wow. So you toured the world with these people? No, I was responsible for Europe. I did all okay. the European tours. We had a sister office in New York which did the American tours. Mm -hmm. And so any of the American bands I would look after and any of the, when they came here, yeah. and any of the Stones and the Who, when they went there, would be looked after by Pete Rudge and Sir Productions. Um, and one day, I'd been there a few years, and one day Pete Rudge sent us a telex. This is the days <laughs> of telexes, no mobile phones. It was even before faxes, for God's sake. Yeah. And... Uh, 
mentioning a group called Leonard Skinner. And just that week, um, a boyfriend of mine had given me, he worked at MCA Records, given me a pile of albums, and one of them was pronounced Leonard Skinner, their first album. And I just fell in love with the music. Absolutely, it touched something in my soul. Mm-hmm. And when my boss said, God, this is a weird name. What are we going to do with this band? And I just went, I'll look after them. I think they're amazing. I think they're wonderful. And so from their very first tour they did in Europe to their very last one, well, before the plane crash in 77, I looked after them every step of the way, 24-7. And those boys, it was... Now, because you're you're kind of a spiritual bent, you'll understand this. It was as if we'd known each other in a previous life. Yep, get Especially that. me and Ronnie Van Zant. Mm-hmm. There was such a kinship, a closeness. It was never sexual. It was just purely, I think, it, yeah, a past life connection. I really felt that. And mm. he felt that too. And um, we just loved each other. I adored all those guys. And um, But then after a few years, one of, I did discover that one of them, the stage manager, was in love with me. And I didn't believe it because he was so gorgeous and his <laughs> girlfriends were models and actresses. But the band kept telling me, don't you realise he's really in love with you? So I went over to Jacksonville. i have been over many times, but I went for the wedding of the guitarist, Gary Rossington, and stayed with Dean and we became a couple. And he said, why don't we have a double wedding with Gary and Martha? And I said, no, 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 it's their day. We mustn't spoil their day. And anyway, we've got our whole lives ahead of us. Mm. Six weeks later, he was dead in the plane crash. And, yeah, the plane crash happened in October. It was 45 years ago this October in 1977. And I was due to fly out anyway. But I flew out instead of for our engagement celebration. I flew out for the funerals. But also Ronnie had asked me to manage the band because their contract was up with their manager that November. So I'd come back to England, put my flat on, well, I hadn't sold it, I'd rented it out, put everything into storage, ready to move to America to live with Dean Mm -hmm. and manage the band. And suddenly, kaboom, the whole thing went. And I was supposed to be on the plane. I would have been on the plane, but Dean had phoned me every day. And one day he said, the plane's falling to pieces. The pilots are drunk. There are flames coming out of the engines. It was wow. a private private yeah. prop plane. And we're getting a new plane on Friday. So why don't you change your flight to Saturday? That Thursday night was their last flight on that plane. And that's when it crashed. Wow. So he literally saved my life because I would have been sitting in the front with him and Ronnie. And the plane came down nose first in the swamps of Mississippi. And so I flew over for the funerals, but I stayed in touch with his family for all this last 45 years. His mother, only Dean's mother, only died last this time last year. She was 98. Well, well, and uh, yeah, so that was the Skinner story. And, and Sally, you know, in terms of working with all these people then, because you hear all these things about their little idiosyncrasies that they want this particular room laid out, they want this in the room and that yes. in the room. Yeah, it's, are, are those no, still... it wasn't that bad then. It okay. was just 
Skinner, for example, started out wanting Jack Daniels, jet okay. fuel, jet fuel, they called it. But then they went, then they then they went on to champagne, which was <laughs> right. <laughs> they would oh. put ice in their champagne, and it was really good champagne too. No, the riders, um, which are the list of requirements, mm. was really a list of food. That they, but in, in our day, it was very basic. There were no dramatic re- requests like mm. you hear about these days, Beyonce and white carpets. No, none of that. None nonsense. of that. No, 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 no. no. Just plain so, common sense, actually. So, Sally, you've, you've, put, you've mentioned you, but you've put this together in this wonderful book. Tell me about the book. What's the title of the book? Okay, the title is Rock and Roll Nanny, because okay. I literally was nannying rock and roll boys. We were all the same age, of course, remember. We were all in our 20s. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I, I was actually about 10 years ago, I'd moved and I thought I must chuck out all my old diaries and notebooks. And then somebody said, no, there's there's history in there, you know. Hmm. And a, a lot of my book as well is about the history of rock and roll, because I sort of gleaned from these diaries and things. Well, I started typing and then I realised, you see, there was no rock and roll before the 70s, the early <laughs> 70s, really. And all the crew, for example, like the lighting people, the sound people, the carpenters, the truckers, they all came from the theatre originally. So I've got an appendix in the book by a chap called Brian Croft, who basically talks about the technical side of the early days. Okay. So there's a bit there for the the techies who want to know, you know, about the sizes of the amps and who Mm. used what, because he worked pretty much with every single band going. I mean, Genesis, Floyd all of them you can think of, as well as mine. And um, so I've tried to cover a lot of things in the book. And it took me, I suppose, in total about 10 years, but it was very sporadic. I wasn't doing it as a book. Mm. It was really for my family. And then some friends said, you must do it as a book. And eventually I found a publisher, Silverwood Books in Bristol. And um, yeah, it came out just a few weeks ago. And it was, um, I've had a whole page in the Telegraph, which was amazing which then got me onto the top three trending online stories, which was amazing. Then I did some live TV with um, GB News. Yes. Which was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, it was all so rushed that I didn't have time to be nervous, which was rather good. Right, okay. But then I also, in the book, talk about my breast cancer, which Mm -hmm. I had 20 years ago. And um, I was, I think... I'm pretty sure the first woman or the first person to have a tattoo on the mastectomy scar. And I had lots of photos. My sister-in-law is a photographer and she's done a whole, on her website, there's a whole section on cancer. Mm -hmm. And my photographs have been shown of me, sort of topless, I'm afraid, uh, but with showing the tattoo. Yes. Um, And the photographs have been shown all around the world. I mean, they were even in the Sunday Times. Wow. And uh, we've had the most amazing emails from women all around the world saying, thank you. Thank you for showing us that we can make something positive out of a negative. When I first had the tattoo done, it was more for fun because I couldn't look at the space. But then I realized, actually, psychologically, it was a sort of boost to my femininity, my power as a woman, mm-hmm. yeah. my taking back my power. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah, yeah. I was no longer feeling ashamed and scared and frightened and embarrassed. I just thought, right, this is it. This is what's happened. But 
I lost everything because of chemotherapy. I couldn't work. I literally lost my home. I couldn't pay the mortgage. And ever since then, I've lived on benefits because I've tried to go back to work. I've tried so many times and each time I've collapsed, I, I just can't do it. And that's when I started becoming very involved in the spiritual side of things. And a Buddhist quote really got me through. I think it's Pema Chodron, the Buddhist female monk. Mm -hmm. And she said, suffering is resistance to what is. If you want to suffer less, you must get to grips with what is. Mm -hmm. That small phrase has got me through because I literally stopped all the the whining and the moaning and the, oh, what if, and, you know, oh, if only, and, and it shouldn't be like this. I, you know, I've worked so hard. I suddenly thought, no, I'll look at it in a positive way. And I've changed my life around completely because of that one phrase. Wow. So I now do Pilates, yoga, meditation. I, I lead a very quiet, peaceful, calm life. My um, last partner died a couple of years ago he was a buddhist and actually i've just met a new chap who's going to help me do um monetize my photographs on my website and this chap was a buddhist monk for 15 years wow so i'm sort of being drawn to these types of people now it's fascinating is it wonderful how you know how how life evolves develops we, if you know but the, the the time you read that quote though you, you it's, i talk about being open to things you know because you could have easily read that quote and just dismissed it but no there was something that resonated with you and took yeah. you on another journey yeah if, absolutely if that's, that's the right word and, yeah. and, and and you know when you you know, I'm just smiling because in my head, you know, I've, I've got this vision of like this, this like wild rock and roll lifestyle yeah. over here. Yeah. And, and now this peaceful meditation, mindfulness, yeah. Pilates yes. journey, you know. What, yes. Yeah. How wonderful is that? Well, also in the book, I do put a, a few quotes that have also helped me as well. Now, I study with them. Um, I study sacred geometry. OK. And uh, I studied with a lovely man called Keith Critchlow, who was a student of Buckminster Fuller. and. Um, it's it's it, it, he says here geometry will draw the soul toward truth and create the spirit of philosophy oh wow i'm tingling just reading mm -hmm. that so i've quoted him i had to get permission for all these quotes yes and um there's another uh, corporation that i belong well it's kairos that's the traditional values in the arts and scientists sciences the unity of being an understanding of the relationships between arithmetic, geometry, music, harmony, and astronomy, cosmology, which are the universal language of humankind. I just love, I love this mix of mm. science and spirituality. It's just, to me, it's absolutely thrilling. And that's what I now spend my time doing when I'm not working on <laughs> <laughs> interviews and advertising the book and doing talks. Wonderful. So, Sally, if people want to get hold of this book, then how can they how can they do it? Well, <clears throat> you can get it at bookshops, um, but you have to order it because it's not delivered into bookshops. It's, okay. it's quite complicated, all this. Um, but that's the best way to get it, because if you get it from Amazon, um, I only get 11 pence a book from Amazon. Yeah. OK. Bloody cheek. Um, <laughs> or you can get it through my I mean, there are there are pros and cons with each way hmm. or you can get it through my website which is rockandrollnanny.co.uk okay 
but that's through the printers and they charge quite a lot for postage and packing. So there are lots of different ways, but also on my, if you click on, click onto, on my website, the buy the book, apparently there are choices on there. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it for a while, I'm afraid, um, where you can go to different places to get it. Okay. So <clears throat> there are, there are quite a lot, but I would say the best way is bookshops. We need to keep our bookshops going. Mm-hmm. Personally, that's my, that's my opinion. Yeah. So we're, roll up to your bookshop and ask for it by name. Yes, Rock and Roll Nanny by Sally Arnold Wonderful. on Silverwood Books. Cool. And, and, and Sally, you know, we're going forward, you know, following this, the success of the book and things like that, what you're looking forward to as you go forward as well? You know, you talked about your lovely, spiritual, peaceful life. You know, what's... That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what you're looking Actually, forward to. Actually, because really, I have to say, the last couple of years have been really full on with this. Hmm. And I've been very out of my comfort zone. I'm fine organising a big event, but I know nothing about publishing or books or anything. And that has been very stressful, very stressful. So now I need to calm down, wind down. I'm 73 now, coming up to 74, and I just want to have a nice, peaceful end of my life. Yeah, wonderful. Which hopefully, and, and also I still do lots of... A few years to go yet, Sally. Yes, I hope so. I still do quite a lot of charity work. I've just helped set up a charity here in Totnes mm. called Jamming Station, which helps young kids with music, gets them off the streets, gets them away from drugs, and they can go and... And it's all free. They can go and learn an instrument. They can learn how to uh, work in a studio production. And so I still do a lot of charity work. Yeah, that's... Mm. I love to. I love helping... Other people. And I help two old ladies up the road, oh. you know, do all their shopping for them and that kind of thing. Wonderful. So that's what I'm, and I want to get back to painting. I do botanical painting. So those are the kind of things. Nourishing oh. the soul. Nourishing the soul. Well, look, just give us the title of the book again. And um, so. Rock and Roll Nanny by Sally Arnold. Thanks. Silverwood Books. And it's $13.99 in a very good bookshop. <laughs> Oh, and, and I just want to just finish off with this because you mentioned there about your comfort zone. I have a wonderful saying that amazing things rarely happen in your comfort zone. It's when you step out of the comfort zone, that's when the magic happens. Thank you. That's okay. amazing. Now that I will remember. Yeah, remember, you can use that one. Go on. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I will. I'll do it in my talks. Yes, Because I think that's do. fantastic because I literally have been very much out of my comfort zone but boy have i learned things yes yeah yes. without a doubt well, and sorry. also the <laughs> other thing i have to say is everybody has been wonderful to me mm-hmm. people like you other people i've spoken to everybody who's been involved with me in this i mean the publicity company the, the publishing company they've all been fantastic you know what what I, fa- what I find heartwarming is you know people you know, there's a lot of negative neg- negativity in the world, but there are people out there when you open yourself up and you find them and, or yes. they find you. Indeed. The it magic really happens. does happen, doesn't it? it magic does. happens. Magic yes. happens. Yes. Know? And as long as you, you know, I, it's just be open to it. That's all I say. Just be open to it and, That's it. and, and keep having those conversations. That's it. So, exactly. Uh, Sally, yeah. it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, wish you wish you, you all well with the book and uh, look forward to catching up because I bet there's some stories in there, but that's for another time. <laughs> yes, you must read it. <laughs> must read okay, it. Okay, Steve. Thank, thank you. you. 
A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. With inspirational guests from around the world, inspirational quotes, the inspirational book of the week, the meditation hour, the quiet zone, and feel-good music. Yawa Radio is about well-being, happiness, and finding the beauty within. Enjoy. Be beautiful. Be happy. Be inspired. This is Yawa Radio.